Most men are murdered outside the home, but most women and children are murdered inside the home with a gun that is used by usually a family member or someone close. This week on The Hitched Podcast, author and clinical psychologist Dr. Noelle Nelson helps us navigate the emotionally charged conversation of guns in the home. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and now is the perfect time to surprise your spouse with the gift that keeps on giving, a membership to the Hitched Wine Club. Pick your price, pick your frequency, and get delicious wines, many of which you can't purchase in the store, and have them delivered right to your home or office. Each shipment comes with exclusive date ideas from the editors of Hitched, information about the wine, recipes, a free subscription to Touring and Tasting Magazine, and much more. Don't wait. Click the Wine Club link on the Hitched homepage to learn more and sign up now. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com, and I am joined with the lovely and talented Dr. Noelle Nelson. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Steve. Uh, we are talking about a very sensitive, supercharged, emotionally charged topic today, which is um, guns. And we're not going to get into the, uh, you know, maybe we'll touch on a little bit here, but uh, we're really going to be talking about guns in the home and uh, the issues that it can bring up, uh, you know, particularly if one spouse wants a gun and the other doesn't, or if there's a history there. Um, So we'll get into all that, but um, I want to, you know, before we get into this topic, let people know we're, you know, we're trying to have a civil conversation here. It's a serious issue. Um, and, you know, hopefully you get something out of this, uh, aside from people yelling at each other, which Noel, you, you and I usually don't yell at each other. So that's a good thing here. I think to start this conversation off. <laughs> yes. And I'd like to add one thing briefly is that no, we're not going to do a litany of reasons for and reasons against. That's not the purpose of today's uh, podcast. Oh, great. Excellent. Um, okay. So let's, let's get started here. Uh, first, how do you think a couple should begin a conversation if one of them wishes to bring a gun into the home and the other is opposed to it? Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that this is not going to be a one shot conversation or shouldn't be, because that's why this conversation often devolves into yelling and screaming and such. This conversation is not on the order of, I want to buy a new computer. Yeah. This conversation is a lot more like, I want to have another child. It has tremendous ramifications for the couple, for the family, for the home. So I think the first thing, if, if one of you wants to bring a gun into the house, is recognize this is going to be a multi, you know, multiple conversations over a period of time. And to get really clear on what your intention is. Not the bring the gun into the home, that's your goal, but your intention in the first conversation, because that's, I think, where people mess up. Your intention really should be, I want to help you, my beloved spouse, understand my reasons for wanting to bring a gun into the home. And on the other side of the fence, so to speak, your spouse's intention for this first conversation needs to be, 
I want clarification. I want to try to understand what your reasons are, and I want you to try to understand what my reasons are and to leave it at that. So explain. So in other words, stop, explain your reasons, and then that's the end of that particular conversation for that day. Okay. Um, and th- Everybody needs to go away and think about it. Got it. Okay. And if um, – now, does, is that a different conversation if uh, if you already have a gun in the home? This isn't a, a, a something that isn't there already, but particularly because um, you know it would be foolish to ignore all the recent events. Um, so would it be – uh, you know, say you have guns in the home already and now your spouse is rethinking things like, you know, I've been OK with this up to now, but now I'm kind of rethinking mm-hmm. things. Um, does same that, thing. Same, same thing. Same intention on the beginning of the conversation, which is have the intention going into the conversation that I want to lay out for you my reasoning about why I'm rethinking this. Not let's come to a decision. See, people rush to this. Okay. This isn't we're going to buy a camera. This is we're going to have a baby conversation. Yeah. So there should be no rushing into it. And the second part of that then is to look for common ground. This is, by the way, the gentle art of negotiation, which is we may start on complete polar opposites of this question, Mm -hmm. right? But what we need to look for is common ground, meaning most of the time it's I want to keep our family safe. Yeah. That would usually be the common ground on which both spouses can agree. Mm-hmm. Whether there's a gun already in the house or a gun not already in the house. And really, if you can start talking from there, what are some ways, could be including guns, could be not including guns, but what are some of the ways we can keep our family safe? See, that's a very different discussion. That that's a that is a great yes. I love that because it takes. That's what the intention is, you know. Because you, mm-hmm. and again, we're not going through the list of why or why not to own guns. No. But the but the the two most common arguments are for protect for personal protection and for sport. And if it's for mm-hmm. personal protection, if you have that conversation about well, how can we keep our family safe, you're right. Like guns could be part of that conversation, but so could uh, an alarm system changing, you know, better locks, better doors, all these different things that may be many, many different things, many different things that may be cheaper. Quite frankly, getting a dog. Exactly. 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 You know that most, most criminals are more afraid of dogs than they are of police. Wow. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's very interesting. And I'm not talking, you have to have a Mastiff either. I mean, a chihuahua might not work, but, you <laughs> yeah. know, a decent-sized dog yeah. will frighten most criminals off. Yeah, excellent. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, so there are many, many ways to look at how can we keep our family safe. I'm assuming that we're not really talking about I want a gun for hunting because that makes the whole safety issue real easy. Yeah. It's called if all you want to do is hunt <laughs> with it, dear – we get a, a gun safe for the garage. We separate the gun from, you know, the unloaded gun from the ammunition. We stick the ammunition somewhere completely different, you know, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. And we never, ever, 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 ever tell the kids, neighbors, aunts, uncles, anybody where we keep, you know, the combination or the safe or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So um, hunting is actually easy. Okay. Um, so, okay, we'll, we'll try to keep this because there's so much to this topic. We'll, we'll keep it on the personal safety, uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, part of the conversation. Okay, so then um, when when having this conversation about bringing a gun into the home, uh, what if one of uh, you know you or your spouse has a negative history with guns? You know, uh, as an example, uh, a family member was shot. Um, does does that take the conversation? Um, off the table or how does it change that conversation? Is there a sensitivity to it now? Well, I would say it puts the huge emotional charge on the conversation. But what's interesting, Steve, is it can go one way or the other. Some people who have had a family member shot, in particular a child, um, may all of a sudden really want a gun. And some family members who have had I mean, some families who've had a a family member shot or a close friend, whatever, really never, ever, ever want to see a gun. So what's interesting to me is it it swings both ways. Mm. But the common denominator is the emotional heat on the question is like times 10 or times 100. It's, It's huge. So that means the conversation must be approached with a real clear understanding that it's going to be very it's going to require masterful self-discipline not to fly off the handle okay. in one way or another tears or rage about this question because like you said it can swing both ways so you could have right. one spouse who um is like you don't understand i watched uh three neighbors growing up uh, get killed, and the only way to protect yourself is a, a gun. So that could be something that you weren't expecting, um, and sure. you weren't prepared to have that conversation in, in that way where they're, uh, they bring some personal experiences into it that you don't have. So how, how would you... And, um, and frankly, I would probably ask someone to help mediate that conversation. Mm. I think that because there would be so much emotion for the spouse that's had an experience mm-hmm. uh, with uh, a gun that I think it's very helpful at that point to seek out either a counselor or a pastor or a very respected elder or whatever. In other words, someone that can help because it isn't going to be about the gun nearly as much as it's going to be about each spouse being sensitive to the other and where they're coming from. And this time they're coming from probably really opposite ends of the spectrum. I don't even mean in terms of guns or no guns. Yeah. I mean in terms of the experience. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and and um, you, you brought it up just a, a couple minutes ago about hunting and, and keeping you know ammunition and guns separate and all that stuff. Uh, so what kind of conversation do you recommend if you have kids in the home, which obviously changes things? It changes things literally so much it's it's almost hard to describe steve did you know that the largest risk factor for teen suicide is a gun in the home it's it's huge wow it's it in other words the research shows that a gun stored in the home and this is in urban areas is associated with a three-fold increase in the risk of homicide and a five-fold increase in the risk of suicide and what's really interesting about this one is that Most men are murdered outside the home, but most women and children are murdered inside the home with a gun that is used by usually a family member or someone close. Mm. I mean, it's it's horrible. It's horrible. So the risks for children and and teenagers are are much, much greater than they are for adults. Um, Kids, for example, little kids, kids don't distinguish between a toy and a real thing. 
we 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 anecdotally meaning you know real stories but but as opposed to research the the kid will say but uh little johnny always got up before yeah. kind of thing i mean they don't they don't get it and with teens it's you know the whole issue of impulse control uh impulse control being the ability to control your own actions and teenagers their their brains aren't fully formed meaning that their frontal lobes aren't connected yet fully until they're 25 so teenagers ability to control their impulses there's the brain factor and then there's a hormonal factor mm-hmm. okay their hormones are just going crazy are you trying to so say that teenagers don't always make great decisions really no kidding so you know <laughs> The whole idea of a teen having access to a gun is like de- demanding of the teenager far more maturity than they are even biologically capable of. And I think that's where people, what people don't understand. It's not necessarily about a, quote, bad teenager or anything like that. There is that whole added layer of biological uh, susceptibility, if you will, to just going with your impulse. Which is why kids drunk and drink and drive. Which is why kids do all we we all have, by the way, done stupid things. But you know, there's a difference between eating cold pizza every morning for breakfast and having access to a gun. Yeah. Okay. And so the conversation, if you have kids in the home, mm-hmm. has to revolve around safety, 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 and that means that if you do indeed decide to have a gun in the home, again, the thing has to be unloaded. Locked in a gun safe, the ammunition has to be separate from the gun and in a a separate place, not close by, locked up once again. And the whole idea of that is to keep putting steps between the impulse and the act. Mm, Okay. Okay, Uh, it's to slow things down. Got it. Because I, you know, I can plain advocate for the argument to have guns for that personal safety reason uh you know i will i will just tell you that i grew up uh my 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 we had tons of guns in the home and uh my dad was a uh, fire captain and so he was on these 24 hour shifts where he wasn't home for 24 hours at a time uh and and therefore me and my brothers and my mom were home by ourselves and so uh we had the deterrent of some big dogs <laughs> Um, but we, but we also had guns in the home and he wanted to make sure that, you know, heaven for, for, forbid, uh, uh, we ever needed to use it, that we knew how and where, and we did have the, the gun separate and all that stuff, the ammo and the gun separate and all that stuff, but we knew where that was, but there were those, um, hurdles in place, uh, that would prevent us from doing anything impulsive, uh, per se. Well, and the other thing is that your father did what would be necessary in terms of education. Um, in other words, he, he taught you no doubt about the seriousness of a gun, that it was not a toy, uh, that it does kill people or cause horrible damage if it isn't actually killing them, and that you know they, it was something to be used in extremis, if you will. So there's that whole education part that has to come along too. And unfortunately, not all parents are equipped, meaning they don't necessarily have the knowledge or the time or the know-how to teach their kids appropriately and that would be essential if you're going to have guns in the house. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 grateful for the way it was uh introduced. So, um and you know, one of the again we're not going to get into the 
the big conversation of this, but one of the things that a lot of people you'll hear from the gun advocate side is that guns don't kill people. People kill people. Um, and you say that's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. A gun sitting by itself, locked in a gun safe, ain't going to do anything. But people kill people. People are the ones that kill people. But people are the ones with the poor impulse control. And quite frankly, it's not like a failing, you know, oh, you have poor impulse control. It's more like when we're in the heat of emotion, our impulse control disappears. Because when you're in the heat of emotion, that's when you just are driven, if you will, by your impulse, whatever that might be. And it's why we do all sorts of stupid things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that impulse. Now, that's a necessary survival mechanism because they aren't always stupid. It's that fight or flight thing, yeah. right? An impulse has to kick in to save your hide. But unfortunately, if there's a gun in the house and you're scared or you're angry, and anger, frankly, is the number one killer. Mm-hmm. If you're scared or angry, especially angry, you are likely to pull out that gun without thinking. And thought is what you need at that time. But you're in some kind of survival mode. You're in fight or flight mode. So thinking is really hard to come by. Mm. And that's another reason why when people say that any gun regulation should look closely at does somebody have a history of mental illness or criminal background or all sorts of other things like that is because such individuals have more trouble with impulse control. So it's not even that they um, have – done bad things in the past, it's that they have shown um, a a lack of impulse control, which resulted in those bad decisions. That is kind of the the trigger. Okay. Um, So really that that statement, guns don't kill people, people kill people, uh, it continues with, and people have uh, poor impulse control in in various situations. The heat of emotion. Exactly. Exactly. That's why domestic abuse often leads to death. It's not because some person is horrible, but it is more often than not because in the heat of anger or rage that they will pummel and not realize the extent to which they're pummeling. Yeah. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. And, and a gun uh, isn't like you, you've brought up. It, it's not like uh, a, a refrigerator or a camera. It's, you know, no. in the heat of the moment, you're not going to microwave a burrito accidentally. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, that was good, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so there's – I mean there's uh, – you know, guns have a sole purpose, which is to uh, – it's to destroy things. I mean that's what – that's the whole point of it. Something – a projectile shoots out and it could be destroying paper or a clay pigeon or another person. So it's not – like that is its sole function for being, uh, if you will. Correct. Um, and you know, and so this conversation has uh, taken many turns um, in the public about what we can do. Um, you know, people are uh, saying, you know, the government right now is saying, you know, we don't want to infringe on your Second Amendment right to uh, to own a gun, uh, but there are certain things we can do and certain things we can look at, and one of those things is digging into the influence of violence and video games and movies and and other media that uh show this uh, you know glorification of 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 gun violence first of all it's that the what you call the glamorization of guns on TV and also the way uh shootings are enacted for children it makes it look unreal they they see the the person get up after they've been shot you know, a person's been shot through the shoulder or the leg or whatever, and they get up. But in real life, 
that's rarely what happens. People, you know, bleed out. People do all. People die very easily, and so children can be very confused about the genuine impact of guns. The second thing is that anything that you focus on, anything you give your attention to, literally grows within you. In other words, it's like your 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 brain gets conditioned, if you will, to seeing this. So it sort of violence gets normalized, if you will. Shooting just becomes part of well, it's like I don't say literally like eating a meal, but it becomes more normal. It's it's not an exceptional thing because it happens all the time on our on our um uh, TV and uh films. And what is I think very painful is that television and film glorify the shooters as heroes very often mm-hmm. and unfortunately that bleeds out into the culture such that you know for them if you're doing it for a good reason quotes unquote suddenly you're a hero and that perverts if you will the whole use of of violence we're we're trying to become a more civilized society if you will where we don't shoot them up bang bang and yet we have this media which glorifies it enormously um and people watching the media don't realize that in real life it's very hard to shoot a moving target um i've read studies where they talk about how even police have a great deal of trouble and they're trained mm-hmm. to shoot a, a running away burglar or running towards the burglar or whatever. In other words, it's not that easy. And it is far too easy for a criminal who is perhaps more skilled with a weapon to turn it back on you. Mm-hmm. That's not what happens very much on TV or <laughs> yeah. films. Yeah. In other words, for the most part, the, the good guys don't end up getting the gun turned back on them. But in real life, that happens more than you would like to think. So we get a distorted view, if you will. I don't think that violence on television makes anybody be violent, except perhaps for some very mentally unstable people. And that's a question. Who knows? But I do think that it normalizes the violence. And I think that's dangerous for us. Mm. Okay. Was that enough of a mouthful? Yes, yes, that was very good. I um, I was just going to add that I uh, heard a really interesting thing over the weekend. Um, so it was uh, from a video. I, I play tons of video games. I play tons of shoot 'em up video games. Um, I uh, I I love it. I do. I will totally openly admit it. Um, but I saw an interesting thing that was it was doing studies on um, video games and. Basically, there's all this. There's already a bunch of research out there. The thing that people are having a hard time of doing is kind of making sense of the research, and um, mm-hmm. there are opposing views to what it means right now. Um, sure. On one side, uh, some people say like, "Well, you can't. We can't connect the dots. Like, there's. We don't mm-hmm. know um, if if it's just a, a. You know, most kids play video games and. And uh, most adults even play video games, and most of, a lot of them don't even realize that they would be considered a video game. Um, but when they're on mm-hmm. their phone, you know, waiting in line somewhere, and they're doodling, that's a you know that's a game in a lot of instances. Anyways, uh, so one of the things that was interesting that I heard was that uh, they it was they didn't know if it was um, the the violence that 
made people it was a it was a study on uh video games and aggression and so they weren't mm-hmm. sure if it was the violence that made people more aggressive or that it was competition that made people more aggressive and so mm-hmm. they did uh they ran like four different studies and they had violent video games with competition uh, mm-hmm. Violent video games without competition, um, non-violent games with competition, and non-violent games without competition. And in all instances, if there was competition involved, it raised the aggression of the player immediately following after, which gets into another thing. Like how long do these emotions and the adrenaline or whatever, how long does that last and how long does that impinge someone's thought process? Um, and I can, and I can say from personal experience, I get more, um, not, and I'm not saying this because I, uh, because I don't think violent video games have an effect, but I get more angry when I lose playing my football game (laughs) against people than I do when I get shot or when I'm shooting people in one of those first person shooter games. Uh, because mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I'm highly competitive and I, I've mentioned it on several occasions about how I come from a, a sports background and whatnot and I hate losing. And there's something about losing in that sports arena that just really drives me up a wall. Uh, but mm-hmm. in the, in the shoot 'em up stuff, it, not as much. I just kind of accept the 20 deaths <laughs> on, and during that five minute span as mm-hmm. that's the game. So I, I thought that was an interesting, uh, spin on things about the competition in video games also being a factor, uh, which I hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. Well, that would would um, correlate with the fact that Super Bowl Sunday is known to be the most violent um, um, day in the year for uh, domestic abuse. That's right. That is a great. That, yep. That's right. Yep. I, your team loses and you beat up your wife. Yes, I have totally heard. Did or you, you hear go that? Get every... that gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was and that's actually it's another... a very consistent, stable statistic. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of those studies that I've seen too about you know domestic violence when there's a gun in the home, the escalation mm-hmm. more than not, uh, well, more than uh, people without the gun in the home escalates into a death as opposed to. Oh, yes. a, a, you know, some other horrible thing, right? Well, uh, it's just faster, easier, and quicker to kill someone that way than it is to strangle them or beat them or, or stick a knife in them. Yeah. It's just faster, easier, quicker, so we're back to impulse control. Sure. See, I think that the, the effect of the video games are, is going to be very different on different uh, types of individuals. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you're a relatively grounded, mature um, adult – and you know darn well it's just a game and you're having fun, uh, it's not going to impact you anywhere near the same way it is going to be an unstable, unhappy, depressed adolescent. Sure. So I think that the studies need to get more specific if we're really going to want to weed this out. Yeah. I mean, it's almost in the same way that um, people who own guns would say like, well, it's it's the criminals that do it, right? Not the the stable, responsible gun owner. So I think... It, it, well, the, <laughs> the, fine sta- it, the the problem then we run into is the definition of stable, et cetera, et cetera, gun owner. True. And that's, I think, what it is trying now to step in and propose more regulation. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I guess you could also take that a step further, which is like, well, you're not a criminal until you shoot somebody, <laughs> uh, and then you're, then you're now a criminal. So if you have those, that lack of impulse control and you've never had access to something, uh, you know, that could 
sway statistics, I guess, eventually. So, um, okay, so the I guess the U.S. has uh, a staggering number of violent crimes uh, with a smoking barrel at one end. Uh, why do you think it is that our society is so out of whack uh, when comparing with other countries uh, that have armed citizens? You mean why in the world are we – even though lots of other countries do have armed citizens, we're the ones who murder each other with an astonishing rate? That? Yeah, like it's not even – I mean I should have put the numbers in front of me here, but it's – I mean it's not even close. Like nobody's even close to the amount of uh, gun-related violence uh, as the U.S. has. Well, I think there are basically two reasons. Um, one of them is is what's been discussed so much, and the other is a more psychological reason. So to get it out of the way is that we are the least regulated nation when it comes to um, countries that have armed citizens. Uh, so you know, I want to leave that alone because that's really what's been in the forefront of the news, and people have all sorts of opinions on how that should should or should not happen. But I would like to speak to the the more psychological reason or cultural reason, if you will, which is that if you think of us, the United States, um, on the whole, we are an aggressive, pioneering nation. That's how we started, that's what we value, and that's what we continue to do. Um, we, This land, we, we took this land away from the people who lived here with a certain amount of violence. We didn't really think too much about it at the time. We just figured it was ours, and here we go. And then we established our independence, again, with violence. Because that's what we felt we needed to do at the time. And what has happened, if you think about it, is that violence has been very accepted in the American culture as a solution to various problems. Um, you know, then, that, then, I was going to say, saying yeah. that, you, you know, we constantly celebrate these wars that we've won and these battles we've won. Maybe we should create a holiday for like the Louisiana Purchase. You know, a non-violent right. acquisition of a large right. swath of land, as opposed to, you know, the 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 bloody acquisition of killing off a people. You know, right? Exactly. And you know, we we continue to be um, one of the world's most, and and often it's because we want to help others. I'm not saying any of this is. It, it comes from a bad impulse or sure. a bad intention, but we end up doing a heck of a lot of shooting. Mm-hmm. And if, and it's it's accepted. It's it's almost like it. It's just a part of our culture. We are known when you when you travel abroad, which I've done a lot, as you know, Steve, sure. is that we are considered uh, the aggressive ones. We're considered the almost stick your feet in somebody else's business ones, um, as opposed to other cultures which have uh, a different attitude towards how to resolve differences and such. Yeah, I mean we make um, fun of we make fun of Canadians because of how yes. nice they are, right? Like I mean that's exactly kind of exactly how polite they are. Exactly. And yet they have way less violence than we do. Mm-hmm. Way, way, way less. Um, so I think that that plays a large part in the in that we're just, if you will, sort of culturally already inclined to um, violence and yes, we do take our Second Amendment rights extremely seriously. Um, so there's that. It's 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 with us, if you will, since the birth of our nation. Mm-hmm. And then setting that aside, now going to sort of the individual within the United States is when you have a gun, you become a superhero. 
You become a superman, if you will, not a superhero necessarily, but you become someone powerful. And we respect power in this country enormously, enormously. Most often, of course, it's the power of money, but we respect power. It's, it's just something that we, we bow to, if you will, and that can play into people's insecurities. And I want to give you an example because it's so fresh in my mind and it just happened. As you know, Steve, a lot of my work is as a trial consultant, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So I work in civil cases, not criminal, civil cases. And recently I was working on a case which involved a shooting. How apropos. And in this case, a young man, a 17-year-old, um, was approached by a, a, a fellow in his mid-20s. And the fellow said, I want your bottle of pop. And the kid said, no, <laughs> he didn't say, he didn't scream, no, he didn't yeah. say, you know, not on your life. He just went, no, don't, don't want to. And the 25-year-old repeated, I want your bottle of pop. And the kid said, yeah, it's my last bottle, dude, go get your own. Whereupon the 25-year-old took his gun out of his waistband and shot the kid nine times. Wow. The, the, the shooter was proud. The shooter said he would now, in jail, have cred. Mm. Now, that is unfortunately not an unusual occurrence, nor is it an unusual stance, if you will. It's that, unfortunately, the dude with the gun in our culture is respected, whether it's a man or a woman, because then they have the power. And we do have an, uh, an, an unfortunate love affair with power. Mm -hmm. So... I think that power is great when it's, when it's well used, and I think it's, it's a wonderful thing, and it allows the United States to do much, 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 much good. But it, unfortunately, in this arena, does cause problems. So with that um, uh, story you just told, how uh, – I, I guess how, how can we possibly turn that kind of mentality around of – now I'm going to have cred. Um, I mean, because mm -hmm. we've, this isn't the first, um, you know, the, the Connecticut shooting isn't the first mass shooting that has really put this on the stage. There's, you know, there's one, uh, all, you know, there's a shooting like that all the time. Um, yeah. and it doesn't seem to resonate any more than about a week or two of, of rage as a society. And then it kind of dissipates. It does in other countries. In other countries, when there has been a shooting of that ilk, that is what has forced regulation and statistics the the the, the statistics on homicides and so forth has plummeted yeah I mean I know that happened we in don't Australia. take it seriously enough yeah that 's the thing. I guess my point is like even even because there has been for example, there has been an assault weapon ban in this country before, but it didn 't change the mentality of guns in our society. It was no, kind of like frankly, the society as a whole didn't didn't didn 't take that seriously enough. The media didn 't change their point of view you know if there 's all sort let 's put it this way we 're talking about real long term change Steve, yeah, stuff yeah. that you can 't effect in a minute sure. but for me it's no different than i'm sure you're familiar with the organization mothers against drunk drivers uh -huh. the organization mothers against drunk drivers was started by one woman whose teen was killed by a drunk driver and it took her a number of years but she built that organization to be so powerful that it 
changed the laws for drunk driving, and we now have far fewer deaths from drunk driving. Doesn't mean everybody's going to stop, but the yeah. awareness is such that, quite frankly, now you won't have anybody publicly say, "Yeah, drinking and driving is fun." Yeah, and there's a yeah now there's a stigma against drinking and driving. Right. And if somebody boasts about it, right. people look at them like they're an idiot. Um, and so, quite frankly, when it comes to guns, I think the same thing could happen. Mm-hmm. I've heard this a similar Somebody's analogy. Somebody's got to get very serious. Yeah, I've heard a similar analogy to this uh, with smoking in society too. Uh, where smoking was, you know, if you would have told somebody in the 50s <laughs> that smoking would be frowned upon and not just that, but people would be looked at as like you're killing yourself, um, you know, they would have been like, you got to be – you're crazy. Um, but now it's like, you know, they've they've banned smoking in bars in like Paris. So it, yep. it shows so like this – year, 50 years, 50, 60 years to effect that change. Yeah. Um, so is there, so it's doable, it's totally doable, <laughs> but we have to do the same thing that we did with drunk driving, with smoking and with things like that, where we, we, somebody gets, gets really on it to the degree that they're willing to bring public awareness so that we do genuinely change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Is and there- Americans are good people. Americans have a huge heart. And I say it that way because one of the things that is admired abroad about people from the United States is that we have a huge heart, that we really are compassionate, not in a sort of a lie down and roll over way, but that we care. And so I think that if we brought that care more forward, that's already part of us, um, we can diminish gun shooting violence considerably. Yeah. And you earlier brought up about how our ancestors and the history of guns in this country. I think that's an important thing to to go back to because you know, this country was founded by rebels and renegades and free thinkers yep. and those people who came to this country for a better life, uh, whether, you know, three or four generations ago or two generations ago or one generation ago. Uh, so like the, the fabric of this country has been woven by, uh, people who are, um, open to change. Uh, and that, I mean, they, they have all come from this point of change. There's not, you know, 2000 years of history, uh, of ancestors, uh, living in this country for the most part. Uh, so I, I think that can play to our strengths is, you know, we're really good at seeing something, seeing that it's not working right. And then adapting to, to have it work better and to yes, um, improve the society as a whole. So, absolutely. Um, is, is before we wrap this up, uh, is there any last thing you wanted to, to get out? Uh, or are we, are we good on this for, for today? <laughs> no, I just really appreciate the opportunity to speak to it a little bit differently than, than is commonly in the news. And, um, I think that will do it. Okay. Uh, and so that's going to wrap it up for us this week. So, uh, thank you for your time, Noel. My pleasure, Steve. Uh, and before you guys log off, I uh, there's a couple things we got going on. We uh, we're just a couple weeks away from Valentine's Day, and so we are going to be doing a giveaway. Uh, so uh, stay tuned on that. Uh, just as a I guess a quick heads up, uh, it, we're going to be running it on our Google Plus page. Um, and so basically, uh, if you I guess 
add us to your circle within Google+, the hitched page within Google+, uh, you will automatically be entered to win, win and we will randomly select uh, winners. Um, but more details to come. And uh, we have our... Um, Wine Club, if you guys are looking for any ideas for Valentine's Day, uh, that is actually the gift that keeps on giving you around. Uh, so that is um, up on our website. And uh, lastly, we are going to have our annual Valentine's Day gift guide coming out. Uh, so be sure to keep an eye out for that one. Um, but before we sign off, I want to remind everybody, you have been listening uh, to Dr. Noelle Nelson who is a relationship expert, popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, and is also the author of nine best-selling books, including her two most uh, for relationships, Your Man is Wonderful and Dangerous Relationships. Uh, she has a fantastic business book out right now. It is Make More Money by Making Your Employees Happy. It is available uh, only as an ebook uh, for the Kindle, uh, so check that out. Uh, it, is, it is really great if you are looking for a business read. Um, and you can get uh, all this information um, at her website, Noel nelson.com you can follow noelle on twitter at dr noelle nelson i am on twitter at hitched media uh, of course you can get all of this information at our website hitchedmag.com uh, like us on facebook and all the other stuff we got going on so uh that is going to do it for us uh one last time thanks again noelle it was a fantastic you, conversation Steve. all right that's going to do it take care everybody Before you hit the pause button, you may have noticed we have a new intro and outro theme song there. It is from HB Surround Sound. It is called Top of the World, and it is on their latest album, Get Your Dance On. And you can find that in the iTunes store. Again, the album is Get Your Dance On, the artist HB Surround Sound, and the song Top of the World. Thanks for listening.